Greetings. You are listening to Legally Uncensored. I am your host, Demetria Graves, attorney and certified family law specialist in the Los Angeles area, more specifically Pasadena. Hello, Pasadena. And today I want to talk about what happens if you are not receiving your court-ordered child support and you heavily depend on your, you know, the child support payment you need it for bills. Your income could have changed. You could have lost your job, especially right now during this pandemic. What are your recourses? What can you do? So right now I want to talk a little bit about kind of where we are and the different perspective. I at least try to encourage others to have, including myself, when I just get in this mode, like, oh my God, these things aren't happening that need to be happening. What do I do? There's a lot of change going on right now. A lot of people have lost their jobs, have companies that were in business for years have went out of business. People are working less hours, are having to leave their jobs to accommodate their children because their other spouse might make more money or whatever the situation may be. So if we're taking a a non-legal approach to this, Let's think about what's happening for the entire nation right now. Things have really changed across the board. So yes, there might be things you can do legally, and we'll talk about that. But everything has changed. Everything has shifted. A lot of financial situations in life have shifted for a lot of people. So things are different. So I know you rely on this money, and it's important to you. But also keep in mind that it's changed for everybody. So yes, there are things we're going to talk about that you can potentially do legally, but if the other party does not have a job, does not have financial resources, it will be really, really hard for the court to do anything. And that's just a practical look at it. Even if orders are made, if the other party is not working or doesn't have it, or there's no way to attach a court order to whatever earnings they may have, such as if they're self-employed or something along those lines, it'd be really hard right now to do anything about it. I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I also want to be very, very truthful with you as we go through this. So with that said, so basically you can't get blood from a turnip. So what can you do? What are your resources or, or recourse, if you may, in terms of What are the next steps? You've been receiving this support. It's part of your budget. You need it. Your children need it. If you don't have it, it's going to cause havoc in your life. So what can you do? Well, if you listen to some of my other podcasts, you're going to know that my first suggestion is always, can you have a conversation with the other party? Are you in a space, even if you don't talk a lot, even if you don't, you know, quite like each other all that much. Are you cordial enough to have a conversation and say, Hey, look, I I depend on that um, money and I need it. If I don't have it, you know, X, Y, Z is going to happen. Your children need it. And maybe there's a way that the two of you can come up with something at least on a temporary basis until everyone can figure something out until you might 
you know, get another job or your hours go back to what they were or whatever your, your financial situation is, or maybe the other party finds another job or they are able to go back to work or whatever their situation may be. But sometimes I find when the parties talk and can resolve it, it creates a situation where, again, you might not get everything you want and it might not be the money that you were receiving, but maybe you will get something in the meantime, even if they don't have an income. So maybe they'll try to figure something out, pull from savings, a retirement plan, or other re- recourses that the court might not necessarily require them to do. So having a conversation, even if you don't want to, swallowing our pride sometimes is really, really challenging. And I'm speaking for myself as well. Having that conversation might get you a better result than if you decide to go the legal route, right? Especially if that party is self-employed, especially if that party, as I mentioned, might have retirement resources or something along those lines that the court might not necessarily require them to tap into. So if there's a way to kind of work your way into receiving something until who knows what happens down, down the line, then from my perspective in a a non-legal approach, that's better than beating down doors that might not open in the courthouse. So that's a non-legal approach you can take to try to make sure that you can sustain yourself financially until a future date. So if you have a child support order that is being enforced by child support services, most counties have them. A lot of support orders are enforced that way. You can call to see one if they're telling the truth because child support services has means to look into the employment of another that attorneys don't have. So if you think that they are working and they're telling you they're not, child support services may be able to do that if they're working and getting a wage, then they'll be able to see that. And then child support services may be able to help you with enforcement or if they change jobs to change the wage garnishment. So you will receive your support. So that's one recourse to go through child support services. But again, if the other side really did lose their job and they do not have the resources, there's very little that child support services will be able to do. Right. So if the other side, and these are the legal ways to do things, if the legal side, excuse me, if the other party stopped paying um, and did not go to modify the order, then you have a recourse to file something that's called a motion to determine arrears. So let's say they haven't paid for five or six months. You can go into court and say, hey, They haven't paid this amount. I need some type of order on this amount. So that might get you something. But again, if the other side isn't working, that person is not going to be very happy about you taking them to court and you know that they're not working and asking them to pay arrears. But it is an option for you. And you have to decide, do you want to put your resources into Beating a dead horse, if you may, if you know the other side is not working um, to have the court make that determination and still not have that person pay, but
but now be more upset with you because you know that they're not employed at the moment. You can also file contempt charges. Contempt is criminal, semi-pseudo criminal in nature, but it is an avenue that you can do in family court. But like the motion for arrears and taking your ex back, if you know that they're not working, it just escalates an already bad situation. And if they can't pay, they can't pay. But it is a recourse for you. I rarely use contempt because sometimes it's those gray areas and it's hard to prove. And I personally don't believe a lot of judges like to do or like to hold a party in contempt because because of the criminal nature. And it's long. The other side can ask for a public defender because of the criminal nature. So I don't know if that gets you to where you want to be in terms of receiving income right now. So I'm trying to just paint the big picture for you, not say don't do this or don't do that, but I'm just trying to give you a, a full practical approach to what happens in these cir- circumstances where you're not receiving your support and you know, you're looking for ways to get it. So your recourses are basically to call child support services and see if, if they see something or see income for the other party that maybe the other party is not sharing with you to file a motion for arrears. If they stop paying and haven't filed a motion to stop the child support amount or to modify what the child support amount will be. And then of course you have the contempt proceeding if that's how you wanted to proceed. Those are your legal remedies for collecting support if it's not being paid. I like a more practical approach. So even if you can't talk to the other party directly, also consider having a third party that you trust because a lot of people don't have the resources right now to hire counsel. So maybe a third party can help you both have a discussion about what you can do financially until the finances change for the both of you. Or some attorneys have means in which they can help you out on a limited basis. So if it's just a phone call and a letter with the other side to come up with the resolution, that's a possibility as well. So that's some of your non-legal approaches that might sit better for the both of you. So you're not creating more stress for the both of you while you're both dealing with your financial constraints. So something that also always comes along with support is, can I stop the visitation order because I'm not receiving support? No, 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 please don't do that. Courts get really, really upset when people tie the two together. I think courts fundamentally understand that You need money to raise your children. Kids eat a lot. They need a place to stay. They need clothes. They need toys and whatever your kids are into. So let's not downplay that. We all understand that. Even the other party, I would go out on the limb to say they understand that. But the two are unrelated. And for a a couple of reasons, right? One, although kids need those things to survive, They don't care what's going on with the money between the parents. If they have healthy relationships with both parents, 
They want to keep seeing both parents. So if you just yank the visitation away from the other parent because they're not paying their support obligation, you're not only hurting the other party, but more importantly, you are hurting your children. Children need consistency. They need both parents. And they don't like to be in the middle of confrontations between the parties. So yes, it is extremely frustrating if you're not getting the financial support that you need, but it has, well, from the court's perspective, you should not use that as means of punishment to the other party and stopping the the visitation, especially abruptly, right? Because kids don't understand that. It's not fair to them. So you should not stop the visitation if you're not receiving financial support. Because what can happen, because the two are unrelated, the other party can essentially has legal recourse against you should you stop the visitation, just as you have legal recourse against them if they stop the financial support. But more importantly, you want to keep the consistency for your children and keep them out of the middle. Kids hate more than anything to be in the middle of a dispute between their parents. Along those lines, Please do not discuss the financial stress and the financial dispute with your children. Children, especially during this pandemic, have their own um, challenges. They are going to school on Zoom. You know, they're not around their friends. They're not getting the interaction they probably need. They don't, it's not fair to dump that additional stress on your children, such as your other parent is in pain, so we don't eat tonight. Or the other parent doesn't care about you because they're not paying support. Kids don't need to hear that. That is damaging to them. Please don't discuss that with your children. That is an adult conversation and it's not fair for your children. So please keep them out of that. So yes, This is a a quote unquote legal podcast, but I've been in the business to know that sometimes a lot of these legal issues can be resolved with a more practical understanding of what's going on. And sometimes that requires both parties to kind to let go of their individual positions and come to the table, right? I would tell a party that's self-employed that maybe doesn't have as much money. So technically their um, support obligation can be modified. But I also say, well, let's come to the table to see what we can do, how we can make this work. Because sometimes even with legal recourses, you still don't get what you want. So I like to also talk about some practical considerations while you're going through this. Um, As I mentioned, this is no place for a kid discussion. I know sometimes we as parents get really frustrated and we're around our kids more now than ever. So, we, you know, we want to talk to them and tell them what's going on. But keeping in mind, and I have to do this too, and we don't talk about this enough, the stress that kids are experiencing right now on their own, let alone having to deal with the stress of their parents fighting over money for them. You know, so we don't want them to start taking that on. Right. So that's one thing I want everyone to keep in mind when we're talking about the financial constraints for both parties. 
And the other practical consideration, I know it's frustrating if you're not getting the support you need because that's impacting how you live and your budget and what's happening in your life. And also keeping in mind that times are really, really challenging for a lot of people. There are people that were making, you know, 60, 70, 80, $200,000 a year that have nothing, no savings, no income, no nothing. So everyone is trying to figure out a way to live whatever income they have. Some people aren't receiving unemployment. Some people don't have anything. So a lot of people are trying to find a way just to survive. So I don't assume that the other party is just purposely not paying, especially right now. There might be a small percentage of people that might be taking advantage of the circumstances, but don't make that the the first assumption about the other party that they're purposely doing this to you or they're purposely taking advantage of the current pandemic and not paying you. Keeping in mind that we're all kind of figuring this out and all trying to readjust to what's happening to our country. As I mentioned probably several times now, if possible, one of the practical ways is to talk to the other party and try to come up with an agreement. It might be just a two, three month agreement between the two of you. It doesn't have to be anything long term, but that understand that that might be better than nothing. That might keep you in your home for a little bit longer. That might put groceries on your table a couple more months. That is something to something to consider. And also know that if the other party does not go and file a motion, they're still going to owe you that money. So although the other side should go in and ask for a modification, a lot of people do not. So if the other side does not go in and request a modification for the court to change the order, they're still going to owe you that money when they go back to work or when their circumstances change, not only will they owe you the money, but they're going to owe it to you with arrears, meaning um, a percentage is added as a penalty, penalty, if you may. And in California, that penalty is 10% a year that they will owe on the amount that they did not pay. And then, as we mentioned with the kids, do not retaliate. I know it is really, really challenging. And it's so easy for me to sit here and say, be the bigger person. Don't do this. Don't do that. But I don't want you to walk into court and say, well, I stopped the visitation or I did this because they didn't do that. That doesn't look good for you either. So even if the other party is not doing what they're supposed to do, you don't want to present in a way that you were retaliating or you were doing things that the court doesn't like as well, because then you know, you're no longer the innocent party. So the court won't necessarily have a lot of mercy for you if you're not doing what you're supposed to do either. So you don't want to retaliate in any way. You don't want to stop the visits with the children because again, that's more detrimental for the children than it is either of the party because kids don't understand some of the, you know, adult issues we have nor should they be forced to do so. You know, our stop Zoom calls or whatever kids are doing with their other parent, keep that going. I know it could be challenging. I know it can be hard, but you want to keep doing your part despite how challenging it is. Keeping in mind that we're all doing the best that we can right now. 
We're all trying to figure it out. Even the other side, like I said, there's probably a small amount of people that are going to take advantage of what's going on, but I still try to be hopeful and positive and really believe that everyone's doing the best that they can and nobody's purposely taking anything from you. So I know this is challenging. I know we all depend on support, especially for our budgets, right? So we can live and not have to move out and move with family and that sort of thing. So I hope this is helpful for you to think about what your next move is going to be. I always encourage everyone if possible, to at least talk to an attorney in your area to get a little more detailed assessment of your case and and what are the best steps. Keeping in mind, ask them for both, as I, I try to do, to give you your legal recourses and what are some other non-legal approaches to kind of resolve the issue, right? Especially because you do not want to start in a legal battle if finances are already strained. Okay, so I hope this was very helpful for you. I am Demetria Graves, your host. I can be found on all social media platforms at Legally Uncensored. So until you listen again, I'm out. Bye. Bye.